uh, time for the crime report. Ladies and gentlemen, it is sponsored by the Crime Stompers of Southern County. 1-800-220-TIPS, 220-8477. All calls kept confidential. Various times, monetary war issued for information that will lead to an arrest or arrest. Joe Jacqueline, of course, retired sergeant, NYPD, former commanding officer of the Bronx Gold Case Squad. He's current adjunct professor at John Jay College and author of one of the great publications out there, The Criminal Investigative Function Guide of New Investigators, Edition 3, finished, on to 4, and 5 he goes. Joe, a highly uh, decorated member of the NYPD, including the most notable Department Medal of Valor. A very good morning to you, Sarge. How are you? Good morning, Jay. How are you? Going well. We are chock full of stuff. Let's get right to it. Uh, flag trial over, and the uh, jury, after, what, almost six days of deliberations, Joe, saw it. Uh, as such, where uh, Tyler Flack had that weapon, that knife, and uh, killed Kasim Mara, stabbed him not once but twice in the heart region there. And uh, that's the way the jury saw it, but uh, a big trial unfolding and finishing in that regard. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think we're surprised, and I don't think our listeners are surprised either, because we kind of we kind of spoke about this last couple of weeks, including um, you know last week when we we had kind of agreed that um, this case was you know going going to go down this way. I mean, we don't we don't know it on the crystal ball, but we've been following the case, and you, you could see that there was a guilty verdict uh, that was going to come out on that. Just you know, the defense attorneys try to you know do what defense attorneys do. So I mean, it's just um, it just didn't work, and. Uh, yeah, now he'll be sentenced, and, and uh, you know maybe the family will get a little closure on this too. No question, especially after yesterday, uh, where more individuals indicted, and really the Morris family does see some closure here. But you know, six days and uh, of deliberations, Joe, twenty or so witnesses uh, in all, and uh, you know they found them guilty of other charges as well, Tyler Flack, but. Uh, that was it. You know, the defense's contention that he committed this uh, sixth-degree manslaughter. Uh, how? By acting recklessly. Not intentionally, though, when he fatally stabbed Morris in the prearranged fight. The problem is, uh, in my estimation, I said this all along, uh, not intentionally means holding a knife in your hand while you're fighting some guy. Uh, I mean, come on. I mean, seriously. So, in well, essence, that's what he was doing. With Go ahead, you know? Yeah, just Take having a knife with you, right? That's just having it with him. Uh, was was part and parcel of the problem. So, I mean, if you're having a knife like that, the, the I guess they can prove they prove that the, the intent was to use it, and that's exactly what uh, what transpired here. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, what the sentence is, and um, you know, going forward. Uh, listen, we need to start sending out messages of deterrence. Right, we're, we're missing that a part of the criminal justice system now. You know, we're getting people that are arrested and released in bail immediately, or they commit murder and they they get lesser charges, or they commit murder and they don't get twenty five to life. So it's just, we're going to watch the, the final part of this, see what happens. No, Dan, we'll discuss exactly that with the Benefield case out in Buffalo. Just just a, another template of examples. Uh, before we get to that, though, a couple of key stories here: a Bohemia man. I uh, was shot early Wednesday morning in his backyard. Family tried to save him, but couldn't. Michael Hartman uh, pronounced that. The shooting took place at around 6.30 or so, Joe. Uh, and uh, at the time of the shooting, Michael Hartman uh, was home with his three daughters. Ronnie Harris, the police commissioner of Suffolk, said the proxim- proximity of the shooters to the victim at the time of the shooting suggests 
and that they may have known each other. Do we know anything more regarding this case? No, we don't know. We did the um, the the latest thing. He was in the backyard smoking a cigarette. So, and the fact that nobody else really heard any other noise, whatever. So he probably does know is um, you know his killer. Which which most cases that's that's the 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 case. So we know that most people are murdered by someone they know. So maybe there was some ongoing argument or whatever this and that. Maybe there's some uh, resident surveillance cameras that they haven't mentioned that they might be piecing this together and they might not want to. You know, scare off the uh, the suspect. So, uh, you know, listen. I mean, we know that uh, Suffolk County is under under good leadership, and uh, you know, I think they'll they'll resolve this one rather quickly. No doubt, uh, no doubt about it. Tough one, though. Very tough case right there. Um, also, the owners and the operators of the Saville Motor Lodge, uh, Sarge, apparently transformed the motel into a haven for. Drug dealing and sex trafficking, taking cash from pimps and dealers who abuse women, including a minor, by the way, in their rooms. Uh, you had an unsealed indictment against four now. Uh, you know, we've all passed that uh, that motel a million times right on Sunrise Highway, but uh, who would have thunk this, Joseph? Well, I mean, you know, these... <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's, just, let's just call it what it is, all right? So... Yeah, I mean, these places are known for um, all kinds of stuff that, that goes on, but uh, I'm not shocked that uh, that they discovered this, but I guess they had um, a tip or something that um, led, the, led the police to this. But you know what? These are the kind of places that you um, give rise to sex trafficking. And also, remember, we're still looking for a Long Island serial killer out there. These are the kind of locations that, you know, off the beaten path, so to speak. Um, not really much about it. Nobody's really staying there overnight for vacation. But, um, you know, this is a good thing that they discovered this. And hopefully maybe through a nuisance abatement, whatever, they might even shut it down. Joe, are you trying to say that the Sable Motor Lodge is not exactly a courtyard by Marriott? Is that what you're trying to say, sir? Uh, yeah, pretty much, right? I mean, <laughs> I don't think they have a very big uh, no. swimming pool. Well, let's put it this way. I think you can call up and get a reservation. You will not be shut out. Let's put it that way. Uh, so, uh, uh, all kidding aside, that's a, that's a tough uh, situation that they uncovered. Good job by enforcement. Uh, Joe Jacklow and the Sarge uh, with the crime report. Let's get to the Benefield deal because, you know, I spoke about this during the week. This is just another example. Now you have the latest, Joe, where you had an upstate police chief pleaded with Governor Hochul to show a little support uh, by toughening the bail loss in the wake of this mom, Kira Benefield, shocking murder. I mean, this was just a, a prime example, another prime example over which an individual uh, should have been behind bars, behind bars, this Adam Benefield, who was charged with just mere misdemeanors following his arrest a few weeks ago. I mean, it's just another example of what is wrong with the system, Joe. Yeah, this is a, this is an awful case. Um, you know, for those that keep on saying that, uh, you know, there's no data, that bail reform has led to any more violence, or it's, it's all anecdotal, well, you know, tell that to this uh, this mother, uh, that, that this is just an anecdotal story and has nothing to do with bail reform. I mean, it's, it's a god-awful story, really is. Doesn't get worse than this. 
You know, this is why when you always hear the verbiage of blood on your hands, I mean, this is a prime example. And then, you know, it's interesting, the governor was cornered somewhere the other day uh, from the press regarding this. Oh, yes, the system has failed. We have to toughen it up. You know, I got a, I got a kick out of the fact that she actually said, you know, we've got to allow judges uh, to do uh, their job. Yeah, okay. So then why would you uh, tweak uh, the laws that you think is right by not allowing the word dangerousness in that of how a judge sets standards and allowing somebody of Benefield's ilk, for instance, to get back in the streets again, you know? I mean, <laughs> which way is it? You know, we're at the 11th hour of an election, the most important one ever, and you see all this crime stuff now coming into play as far as backtracking, as far as uh, Kathy Hochul is concerned. Uh, why would you allow that? You know, you even called your opponent a dangerous guy as far as a, 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 an election ad is concerned. I mean, the whole thing is insane. But you could get a sense that this is at the top of everyone's list as far as how they're feeling right now. And they're not feeling safe. And what happened to this poor woman is a prime example of what's wrong here, you know? And I'm wondering what the likes of Carl Hasty and Andrew Stewart Cousin thinking after these incidents, especially after this one. Is it not real? Is it hyped up by the press once again? You know? I mean, it just goes on and on and on. No end in sight, but we'll see what happens. But this is a tough one, Joe. Uh, so we'll see. Um, Joe Jacklin on the crime report. Let's get to the Valva trial. And uh, now you are in deliberation mode as of today. Closing arguments, uh, Joe, taking place yesterday. Uh, you know, if you're trying to defend this guy, it's a tough one. Tough one. If you're sitting on that jury and deliberating today, uh, yeah, he was a good father, according to the defense. So good, he actually hosed this kid down in, in January, freezing cold uh, temperatures. Uh, and then threw him in the garage. Yeah, that's real nice. That's that's a good father for you. And they're going to have to reckon with the fact of what's good and bad and whatnot. But, uh, Joe, it all comes down for the next day or so here with Michael Velvet. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think the deliberations are going to be quick. I mean, I've been following it just like you have. Um, and I think that the prosecutor has done a better job or had come up with better uh, evidence that uh, all this stuff has happened. The defense attorney is just saying that he, you know, is just – I don't know how good of a job that he actually has done so far. Let's put it this way. He hasn't convinced me to sit on the fence. So I look at it as um, I think there's only one decision that's going to be made today. And I think it's going to be rather quick. And I think that also will be telling. So if they get it uh, to the jury and today and then they say, well, we're already ready. I, I think that's bad news for the, uh, the defendant. Erko admitted that this guy was an abusive father. But then he says, you know, he didn't realize, Val didn't realize that young Thomas was in medical distress before he died. Well, how did he get medical distress? You know, how did he get there? You know, and he urged the jury to convict this guy because, you know, the two lesser charges now of, thro of being thrown in here of criminally negligent homicide. That carries a max sentence, Joe, of what, four years or so, I think, uh, in prison, yeah, rather than the second degree murder, which could land this, this monster in prison, I call him a monster for 25 years to life I mean that's really what it comes down to you know uh, so that's a tough one for the jury to, to kind of digest here Joe you no know, no I think listen they don't have an easy job for sure 
but um, you know, to decide on which which charges or, or the intent. Um, when they talk about criminally negligent, they're talking about being what they refer to in the law as super reckless, right? Where you're just aware of the risk and you disregard it, but it's just like it's off the charts uh, disregarding. So um, yes, it is the lowest level of the part of the homicide statute that you can be charged with, and it doesn't come with a lot of time. And and this poor boy uh, didn't didn't have a lot of time either. So I, I think the ju- the jury will factor all that into their consideration to see what, exactly what they decide on what to do. Yeah. The, kid, the guy who sent his kids to school, filthy, urine-stained, as far as the clothing, filthy, filthy sneakers, hungry. These poor, poor boys were uh, scrounging through garbage pails at school looking for something to eat. I mean, come on. Uh, give him a taste of his own medicine, you know? Give him a taste of his own medicine. That would be the, the right thing to do. Joe Jacklow and the crime report. Let's get to Moab and the police department. And you got the lawsuit now going against the family of Gabby Petito, uh, Joe. It's like a $50 million lawsuit here. Uh, You know, uh, quite appropriate, I think. Quite appropriate if we look back and see the events that unfolded uh, during that that day. But uh, your thoughts on that whole thing? Well, I, I don't think that there's a shock that there's a lawsuit there, and I don't think that there's also a shock that if there was intervention uh, at that moment, that that things would have turned out differently. the The issue that comes down to is based on what the policy and procedure of the police department on how to deal with domestic violence cases. So, even though we know on certain aspects that there's, there's an arrest made on certain things, but a lot of things there aren't. So once we get the um, once we find out what the procedure is on how to handle these things, then I think we'll have a better insight onto uh, if if the police department here could have been culpable. We do know that it, that it would have changed the course of events probably, and that's what the lawsuit's basically stating. I'm, I'm assuming I haven't read the, the the entire thing, but that's what I'm assuming that it, that it says. But um, if that's the case, then you know that part might be true. But like I said. It depends. It's all going to be dependent on what happens with the uh, how they're supposed to handle these things. You know, Joe. You know what I think of during that day of, in Moab, in the fact that training is so evidently lacking around this country of how enforcement handles situations. You know, you go back to Uvalde. You know, with those four officers, one guy checking his cell phone, the other guy using a hand sanitizer, uh, right on the cusp of complete uh, chaos and death for those innocent kids. And I think what happened in Moab, you know, the fact that uh, one of those officers said, I tell you what, you go here, you go there. You go to a hotel, you'll go somewhere else. You know, come on. Uh, you, you got a domestic violence situation right in front of your eyes. Okay? It, it takes a little bit more in my estimation to say, you know what, you go your way. You go the other way, and the two shall meet down the road somewhere, and, it, and they did with a death, with a murder. And, uh, and that's what I get out of all this. So I think it's a, it's a lawsuit that's uh, completely uh, there for the right reasons. I hope they throw the book and get it. And the thing is, much, much better training, my goodness, is so needed around this country as far as law enforcement, Joseph. No, no. You're talking about also, I agree, but you're talking about, you know, one of the many police departments with fewer than like 10 sworn cops in the entire thing. Now, 
how this was handled, whatever, it was almost uh, like when I first got on the police department in 1992. It was like, you go your way, you go that way. And things changed um, dramatically about things. And there's been lots of uh, what they arrested in certain cases and stuff. Um, you know, but like I said, once once we see exactly what uh, what these cops are taught and what their what the policy and procedure is from the legal part of Moab, then uh, you know it's going to be uh, interesting to see with this battle. Do I think they're going to win? Um, maybe. I mean, in the respect that they probably will get some money out of it. Usually, municipalities do pay, uh, but it's it's not going to replace her daughter, and hopefully that. It sends a message through the rest of the police departments out there. You have to handle these things differently. And you know what? They could save a life if you just do it. But then we look at what happened up in Buffalo, where we arrest somebody for attacking somebody on a Facebook video and then release them the next day only to have them kill us, too. So, you know, it's we're, we're kind of like, um, for lack of a better adjective, shooting ourselves in the foot here. Question about it. Joe, uh, one more. The catalytic converter ring broken up eight states a ton of money involved two guys from long island as well uh this was a good job unraveling this yeah no this is such a this is such a plight on what's going on right now these catalytic converters getting stolen left and right and it's just uh you know and then and then people can't get the parts right away because there's still chain supply issues and stuff so it's it's something that needs to be addressed and you know what if the feds need to go after these guys and charge them federally and all these RICO statues, whatever they may be throwing at them, let's do it. And uh, one stern warning for everybody is when you get your mail, know when your mail's coming. This is what I do. As soon as the mail comes, uh, you know what? Try and get out there. Somebody in the house who's who might be around, get the mail. Don't leave it in the box. This check washing stuff uh, is real. The commissioner of the police department locally uh, you know, is telling folks, be careful where people are taking these checks out of mailboxes, you know, live checks, washing them out as far as the amounts. and everything. There was one check, I couldn't believe it, it was made out for 50, it, it was changed from like maybe a couple of hundred dollars to $52,000. It was unbelievable. And the bank went along with it. Bank of America, of all, of all banks, right? It's a real deal here, Joe. Check washing, you know about this stuff. Yeah, well, and just quickly, I mean, even when you order checks, I had the checks sent now to the bank to be picked up. Uh, I had a, I had a, um, you know, they usually send you the two boxes. I had a, an entire box stolen, and when I picked up the box, it didn't dawn on me at the time that there was only one box there. And next thing you know, I'm getting all kinds of phone calls from, from you know, banks and stuff like that. You just write a check for ten thousand. You just try to cash a check for thirty thousand. And so that's since ever since then, I go to the bank and pick up the uh, the checks. That's just a good tip for everybody else. I know it's a little bit of in- inconvenience, but you never have to worry about you getting checks stolen in the mail. Good point. Good one to end on, sir. Joe Jacklin, The Crime Report, sponsored by Crime Stoppers, one 800 tips